If you will this morning turn with me in the Word of God to our text which is found in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 10. That's 1 Peter 5 10. And it reads this way. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus after that ye have suffered a while Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, how great Thou art. How merciful Thou art. How full of grace Thou art. O oh Lord, I pray this morning and this hour and the hour to come that Thou would be pleased to reveal the depths of Thy grace. Reveal the depths of what You have done for Your people. Lord, clear our minds now and clear us of all the infirmities and things that so easily beset us. I pray this morning, Lord, for Brother Paul, knowing that this trial that Thou hast prepared for him, that it is hard and it is difficult. But Lord, I pray for that grace of long-suffering, the grace of healing, that You would be the God of all grace to him at this hour and pull him through it as only Thou can. Lord, I pray that you would attend this service for the praise and glory of thee. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Many come to this verse and they think that it is a benediction at the end of this chapter. Some think it's a prayer to the saints, for the saints. When I read it, I see a promise. I see a promise by our eternal God. I see a promise by our loving God. I see a promise by the God of all grace. The word in verse 10 begins with the word but, so we know that it is a connecting verse. So we'll begin this morning by backing up, backing up to verse 8 and just read down a little bit. As Peter warns the children of God, he says, Be sober and to be vigilant. Vigilant is a word that we're always to be watchful. We're always to be on guard. We're always to be sober. I find that in this time now that has been ordained for the church, that as we live in this time, this time of seems to be uncertainty, I had something happen to me this week I've never had happen before in my life. I shared with my wife yesterday. Somehow, in the middle of this week, I lost a day. I've never had that happen. There was a day this week that I thought was Tuesday, and it was actually Wednesday. And that spoke volumes to me. It stopped me in my tracks because it seems like every day in this quarantine, or my days are always the same. I wake up, I go to work, there's things that I do every day in the job that I have. They have to be done every day, picking up the slack for others. And as I do them, then I come home and it seems like the day starts right back over. And in the midst of all of this, I lost a day. And I thought about that, and I thought about how needful I am of God's grace every day. And God's grace is something that is manifested many ways. The grace of love, 
the grace of joy, the grace of peace, the grace of long-suffering, the grace of patience, the grace of gospel conversation, the grace of humility. All of these graces are, are stored up in the God of all grace. And the child of God needs that grace every day. I thought about Brother Paul this morning as he's been, as the Lord is bringing him through this trial and we're all waiting on the passing of this kidney stone and praying for the Lord's mercy for him every day. But he needs that grace every day. Every hour. That long suffering, that peace to know that the Lord is in control. That the Lord will bring it about in his time. Because Peter warns us here, he says, Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That's the reason, Peter says, to be sober. Understand that we have this enemy. And it's easy to understand it when we were back in our lives and everything was going full force a month ago and we were out in the world and we saw the allurements of the world and we saw the temptations of the devil, but now most of us spend most of our days in our home. And we must still be vigilant. We must still be sober because that wicked one can easily come into the home. I thought about that deeply this week as, as every day seems to be a struggle. And I thought about the necessity of the Lord to armor us every day. And how deep that grace is. How, how wonderful that grace is. How, how far to the uttermost that grace goes. And, and then Peter says in verse 9, you know, he says, Whom st resist steadfast in the faith. We know in Peter's life that he was attacked many times by the wicked one. In fact, our Lord said that to him. He said, Peter, the devil would sift you as wheat. But he gave Peter the answer. He said, but I've prayed for you. You are kept in me. You are secure in me. And as we are tempted on every side, and as we're tried on every side, and as the wicked one comes over and over again, and we learn that from the temptation of our Lord. How he came three times. And it wasn't until the Lord dismissed him, but then he would come back another season. And we see that in our lives. The only way that he is cast away or gone for a season is when the Lord dismisses him. When the Lord cast him out. And Peter said the answer to this is when we, step, when we resist the devil in the faith of the Son of God. There's no other way. It's the faith of the Son of God that credits the Word of God. That tells us that Christ is over Satan. That tells us that Christ came into this world to defeat Satan. That tells us that He did defeat Satan. And when He came out of that grave, He was victorious over all of His enemies. And so when we're told to resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You know, it doesn't take much to turn on your TV today or you can drive by all of these signs on the road and they've, they've coined this phrase, we're all in this together. You've seen it. I know you have. It's everywhere. 
We're all in the United States. We're all in this together because of COVID-19. We're all facing the same enemy. But I want you to understand how true and how that true that statement is for the body of Christ. That we are all in this life together. We all suffer the same afflictions. Not the, the, the uh, maybe the way or the means the Lord uses, but we all suffer the afflictions of these enemies. We all have this body of sin. We all struggle with the wicked one. We all have the world tearing at us every day, trying to get our time and trying to get our affections. And when I read something like this, when Peter says the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, wherever they are today, we all have that kinship. That as one suffers, we understand what it is to suffer. We understand what it's like to have the presence of the Lord withdrawn for us from us for a moment. And that is a great time of suffering. But the Lord is faithful because He's the God of all grace. He's the God of the depth of grace. And that's what Peter says as, he, as we bleed into our, our text here. He says, but the God of all grace. Like, this is the answer to what I just said. As we have all these afflictions, as the church suffers these afflictions in this world, we have the God of all grace. We have the God that's over every grace. And that all grace means that it's all of Him. That it's not mixed. That it's not mixed with the law. It's not mixed with works. It's not mixed with anything in the creature. Paul said that. Paul said that in Romans 11. 5 and 6, he said, Even so, then at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So we see the depth of what Paul was saying was, that the God of all grace is pure. The grace of God is pure. It's not mixed with anything in the creature. And it doesn't matter what man says, and it doesn't matter what our carnal nature says. It doesn't matter what the wicked one says. It doesn't matter any of those things that are contrary to the Word of God. Now we're going to go to a couple places today. I want to start this morning, if you will, turn back to Ephesians 1 with me. As we're... And, and the, today, as, you, as I said our text, it divides into four parts today. So I'm going to take each part, and I want to talk a few minutes about each part and what they mean and, and what they mean to us today. And, and so I said, and the beginning here is, but the God of all grace. That's the heading that we're under. So if you, if you turn with me to Ephesians 1, and we begin in verse 6, we read what Paul wrote, to the praise of the glory of His grace. That's what we're exalting here at this time. The grace of God. What entails, what is all in that grace? We've touched on it a little bit, those things. What is this sovereign grace? What is this preserving grace? What is this grace that, that provides our every need? What is the depth of this grace? grace of God that we have. And he says, to the praise, 
of the glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. I want you to see that. Let that sink down right there. That the grace of God begins with us being accepted in Christ Jesus. The grace of God accepts us in Christ Jesus. That when Christ lived and died and rose again, we are accepted in His finished work. That is the depth of grace. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. We're not accepted in self. We're not accepted in any other man. We're not accepted in any doctrine. We're not accepted in any denomination. We are accepted in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our surety. That's our safety blanket, if you will. That's our life. That's our all in all. In whom? That's Christ Jesus. We have redemption through His blood. We have the covering of our sins. We're accepted by the grace of God in Christ Jesus who has covered all of our sins with His blood. He has paid the price for all of our sins in a perfect sacrifice. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. We're debtors to grace. Over and over you see that theme throughout all the Word of God. We owe everything to the grace of God. Wherein He has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. The Lord, the God of grace, the God of all grace is in all wisdom and prudence to us. He has provided for us in every need that we have. I'm sure when this week started, Brother Paul didn't believe he'd be going through what he's going through, but God knew. God provided. God showed him the way. God gave him the long-suffering. He's given it to his wife. He's given it to the church body to suffer with him. We all go through these things, and we suffer as one another suffers, we suffer with them. Because you and I know what's going in his mind. We know what kind of attacks come when we're weak. We know that God's grace is sufficient and it's made, He has made our strength in our weakness. In our weakness. And we'll talk more about that later. Having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He has purposed in Himself. He has purposed grace in Himself. Now just look over to the next page in, in chapter 2 right there. Look at chapter 2 and then those very familiar verses just beginning in verse 8. For by grace ye are saved. So we don't get far away from this theme going throughout the Word of God, the God of all grace. And that grace is where salvation is. And it's through that grace that we are saved. You and I today need saving. We need saving from the media. We need saving from this disease. We need saving from our mind. We need saving from unbelief. We need saving from the afflictions that afflict us. We are in dire need of salvation to be applied. But I've got good news. It's the God of all grace who applies it. For it's by His grace 
By grace you are saved through faith. That's what reveals that grace to us, is the faith of the Son of God. He credits the Word of God, who's the God of all grace, and he says, this God is your God. And it's by grace that you are saved, and it's by grace that you have life, and it's by grace that you live this day. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And you know that we will. Hardly a day goes by that when we talk to people or run into people, if we do something, that mindset is, in our mind, that fallen mind, is to want credit for it. Is to boast of what we've done. Is to boast of who we are. But that's not what grace is. Grace causes the child of God to boast in his Lord of what his Lord has done for him. Grace causes us to boast in dependency upon the Lord that I need him every hour, that I need him every day, that I need him in this wicked world every moment. I need him to stay my mind upon him. I need Him to mortify the deeds of this body. I need Him to take my mind and prayerfully bring it to Him, to His throne of grace. Everywhere throughout the Word of God, you see the depth of grace. Because that's what He is, the God of all grace. For we are His workmanship. One of my favorite passages and all of the Word of God because it really speaks to me about what He has done, is doing, and will do for me. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That's the depth of grace. We're created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained by His grace that we should walk in them by His grace. He is the God of all grace. He is the reason why we live and breathe and have our existence. He is the reason we look toward His Son. He is the reason because He has given everything to in the hands of His Son. And this grace is abundant grace. Paul says that in Romans 5.20. He says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, Grace did much more abound. You know, when I read that verse and I listen to that verse, I think how true that is. I can't get away from sin on a daily basis. Sin seems to abound every moment, hour of my life. Whether it be a stray thought, whether it be unbelief, whether it be doubting the Lord's goodness, whether it be anger, whether whatever it is, Whatever circumstance or whatever thing in God's providence that He brings in my life, as I react to them after the flesh, I sin. And I think about how many of those sins every day and every hour come up in me. And then to hear this passage, what Paul said, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That's super abounding grace to cover to put away, to nail on the tree, to take away as far as the east is to the west, my sin. 
and that I have no condemnation in the Lord Jesus Christ because He's done it all for me. I know that in my life there are times when I'm in pain. Pain, and I can't say pain causes me to do things, but you understand what I mean. When I say something like that, it's my old nature causes me to doubt, causes me to get angry, causes me to have hard thoughts. But the God of all grace, the God of all grace brings me to the throne of grace, reminds me that He has designed all things and He has never given me more than I can bear. And there are times I cry out to the Lord and I say, Lord, I can't bear this. And the God of all grace comes and says, Yes, you will bear it in me. You will bear it by me. You will bear it on my wings. And He provides. He provides what the end of our text says. He provides the strength. He provides the establishment in Him. He provides it all. He is the God of all grace. We know that John tells us that the law came by Moses. But praise be to God, grace and truth came by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that brings us to our next heading. As grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, the next heading in our text here is, Who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. In this promise that Peter, under the power of the Holy Ghost, writes. He, he tells us that we have the God of all grace to carry us through this life. He tells us we're going to suffer. And as we suffer, we see where the eye of God is, where the plan of salvation for God is, is that He has called us unto His eternal glory by His Son, Christ Jesus. That call is is not an outward call. It's not the call that, that, that I might be calling today and many people are listening to me. This call is an inward call. The sheep shall hear my voice and they will follow me. It's the call of the shepherd to bring the child of God out of the darkness, to bring him away from the danger, to bring him out of the unbelief, to bring him into that pasture and make him to lie down in it in the finished work of Christ. He has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Turn with me now over to 2 Corinthians 4. As I said, we're going to go to a couple places. In 2 Corinthians 4, and we'll just begin in verse 14. And remember what our heading here is, who has called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Knowing that, this is verse 14, knowing that He which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up, up us up, up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. This is what we talked about on Resurrection Day. This is our resurrection life and complete salvation that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. We experience it in this life as He quickens us into life. We experience it in the bodily resurrection later. But know this, knowing that He 
which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us. That's that eternal glory. For all things are for your sakes, Paul says, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Oh, I hope he gives us a thankful heart. I, th I pray for that every day because as we do have those freedoms stripped from us at this time, and there's many things all of us have lost. We're all in the same boat. We've all had that same affliction that there's been something realized that we don't have. And maybe it's today. Maybe it's not being able to shake hands and hug one another as we're meeting together. Maybe it's, maybe it's the things that we don't feel the freedom to get out and do anymore. But as we lose those things, as we've lost those things, may the Lord give us a thankful heart for the grace that He has given us. The health, the hedge that He's put about us. As days go on and the numbers go up, but the Lord has preserved us. He has given us of His mind to, to love Him, to honor Him, to glorify Him in those thoughts. He, by the depth of His grace, has given us joy. He has given us patience. He has given us long-suffering. It is all of Him. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, and He is, we know it. I know Brother Paul's feeling it more today probably than the rest of us, or I don't know about the rest of us. I know I'm feeling, feeling it myself in many ways. But this outward man will perish Yet the inward man, this is a promise. The inward man that's, that's in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus who's in the inward man is renewed day by day by Christ. See, that day by day is the grace that we need from the God of all grace every day. Day by day. For our light affliction. And it is light. It is light compared to what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ went through. And it is light in comparison to what the eternal glory is that the child of God will receive for what the Lord has brought him through in this life. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, which while we look not at the things which are seen, not at this body that's full of sin, not at COVID-19 and what it's doing in the world, not at the, not at the political scene that's so nasty to look at, not at all this, the, the, the uncertainty that we see in tomorrow. No, we look not at the things which are seen, but the faith of the Son of God takes us to the things which are not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what the Lord takes us to, the things not seen, the things in this eternal glory that has been prepared in Christ, that is by Christ. For the things which are seen are temporal. They're of the earth, earthy. They have an end. They have a duration. But the things which are not seen, which are laid up in heaven, those things that are in Christ, that are in the God of all grace, 
They're not seen, but they're eternal, never-ending, secured, provided. This is the God of all grace who has called us unto His eternal glory by His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans 8, 29 and 30, he said, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called inwardly. That's what we talked about. Whom He called, them He also justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. He's done it all. He's justified us to say we're not guilty. And He, t- and he reveals that to us in this life and the life to come. God is so faithful, the God of all grace, who has called us unto eternal glory by Christ Jesus. And then this next phrase. This is the one I want to stay with a couple minutes after you have suffered a while. Is that not what our Lord and Savior said when He said, take up your cross daily and follow Me? What is a cross? What is the cross to our Lord and Savior but suffering? What is your cross today? I have physical crosses, but I have a lot more in my head that are in this old nature that's a huge cross to me. But the Lord said, take up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus told us this is the lot of the sheep. They will walk in the path of the shepherd. They will hear the shepherd's voice and they will follow him. And they will follow him in the way that he treaded first. Turn with me, our last place we'll go, at least I think it is. Turn with me over to Revelation, the last book in the Bible, chapter 7. Revelation 7. Let's read these blessed words. In Revelation 7, beginning in verse 13, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. It's too high of a thought for me. Thou knowest. John said, Thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation. I want you to understand what that says. The ones that the Lord brings to heaven, His saints, they come out of great tribulation. That's what we just heard in our text. After ye have suffered a while, grace causes us to suffer, but grace causes causes us to come through the suffering. Grace brings us through the suffering. But it's also the depth of grace to cause us to suffer. The world suffers many ways temporally, physically, emotionally. The child of God enters into the sufferings of his Lord. And he knows that the Lord has provided them for him 
to show him, to reveal to him that he is his sheep, that we are the sheep of his pasture. The Lord has provided in the depth of his grace and says, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The garment that we have is a shiny white without a blemish because it's been washed in His blood. The efficacious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who has taken away all of our infirmities. He's taken away all of our sins. And He's presented us as a perfect bride without spot. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. Is this not a beautiful picture? Sometimes I I hear people say what they believe heaven is. And I believe they always liken it to the things in this earth. I was raised that way too. You know, I like to play basketball. Well, heaven will be playing basketball every day of your life without tiring. And, you know, I like this sort of food. Well, you'll have that every day in heaven. But those are empty thoughts. They weren't empty thoughts then to my mind. I thought that was the greatest thing. But to the one who's been born again, the one who's been given life, His desire is to be with His Lord. To have the mind of the Lord every day. Because we know down here this isn't heaven. I'm constantly reminded of that. This isn't heaven. Speaking to one this week, as she was sharing with me the, the depth of going through the the warfare. How great is that warfare? And that warfare will always remind us that this isn't heaven. Because when we are taken to be with Him, when that glory is, after we've suffered a while, and the God of all grace brings us to glory, and He brings us to be with Him, there will be no more suffering. There will be no more warfare. That's what He's telling us here. They shall hunger no more. Neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them. Constantly fed by the Lamb. Oh, that's what the soul of the child of God wants. Don't leave me, Lord. Don't withdraw your presence, Lord. Have you seen my beloved? And shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. See, our text tells us that He, after we've suffered a while, our text tells us that He's called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. And after we've suffered a while, He gives us that grace to suffer. But I wouldn't want to leave you or make you think that that grace isn't sufficient here. Because He gives us grace daily to live through the trials we have here. He gives us grace daily with the eye of faith 
crediting what the Lord has done, is doing, and will do. He gives us grace to know that this is not our life. That our life is hid with Christ. And we're but strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Paul tells us in Romans 8.18 For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It's not even close to comparison after we've suffered a while. The child of God, when he's brought to glory, and even when he's brought to the end of the trial here upon earth, will praise his Lord and see that it was needful and see that it conformed us to the image of his Son and see that it God was good and full of all grace to bring it. In Philippians 3.10, Paul writes again that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. That's what these sufferings are doing. They're conforming us unto His death readying the child of God for what the Lord has for him. That's how much he cares for us. That's how much he weans us from this world on a daily basis. That's how much in the depth of his love to bring the grace to suffer and to bring us through the suffering by grace. Oh, how great is that grace. How great is the Lord today to bring us through this. Yes, dear ones, we as the body of Christ are in this together. And may we exhort and comfort each other every day by speaking about the grace of God and its sufficiency for every one of us. For He has provided all things. who has called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while. And then the final part of this, make you perfect. Establish, strengthen, and settle you. That word perfect there means complete. After He has made us complete. Complete in what? Complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what grace does. It completes us in Christ. Now listen to these verses. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says this, For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him. Ye are perfected in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. That's our Lord. We're complete and perfect in Him. Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews 13. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing 
in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Yes, we are complete in Christ. We are complete by Christ. And we are complete through Christ. That's what our text tells us today. After we're suffered a while, He makes us complete. As grace causes us to suffer, we are complete in Christ. And out of that completion comes these three S's. Establishing, strengthening, and settling us. All of those in the perfection of Christ, by Christ. Peter says in 2 Peter 1.12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of the things through though you know them, and he established in the present truth. We're established in the truth of Christ. That's what being complete is. You know how much air is out there every day? You know how it is now if you're like me and, you're, and you actually turn on the nets and you hear somebody say something or you, or you read it, and the first thing I do is I doubt whether it's true or not. Doesn't matter who says it. I don't care if it's Fox. I don't care if it's CNN. I don't care if it's my local news. I don't care if it's the most trusted person on the news. Because in this world, there's so many agendas and there's so much going on behind the scenes, but it isn't behind the scenes of our Lord who knows all things, who's the God of all grace. And that God of all grace establishes His children in the truth. That's the only thing we can be established in. Because everything outside of the truth of Christ is a lie. So He establishes us in this completion. That's what grace does in His truth. But it also strengthens. Grace strengthens the child of God. We know Philippians 4.13 where He says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And I think about that usually daily now. The Lord brings that to one, my mind in the morning because as I said, things get tedious. Things don't change. They start to be the same. But God's grace is new every day. His mercy is new every day. <clears throat> he gives us something that we had never thought of before. He gives us a joy in something we hadn't had joy in. He gives us a contentment in something we hadn't had contentment in. That's the God of all grace. That's how He strengthens us in Him. Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, in Colossians 1.11, Paul writes, Strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Three graces there mentioned. <clears throat> patience, long-suffering, and joyfulness. His strength and grace brings us to those things. I know there's days we go through that we say, there's just not much joy in this day. But when the Lord warms the soul, when He drops that one little nugget from His table, that brings joy. It brings peace. It brings feeding. It brings grace into the soul of the child of God. And that's how He makes us dependent upon that grace. For without it, we can't live. 
And 2 Corinthians 12, 9, we've already quoted this once. And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. That's what the Lord needs to say to us every day. I pray the Lord says that to us every day. That His grace is sufficient for us. For His strength is made perfect in my weakness or in weakness. And that's a good thing because I have found one thing. I'm very weak. Every day there is a weakening, a weakening in me. And I praise God for that. Because in that weakening, His grace is made perfect. His strength is made perfect. I can see the grace of God to carry me. I can see His strength to perform all things for me. That's the God of all grace. And finally, that grace settles us. Just as His Word is settled in heaven, we are settled in Christ by His great grace. Paul said in Ephesians 4.14 that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they wait, they lie in wait to deceive. O Lord, settle us. Settle us in Thy Word that we may live upon that bread of life every day. You truly are the God of all grace. May you come to thy children every day to reveal the depth of that grace. I'd like to read our text one more time and then the final words. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thy power and Thy clarity and Thy great grace to this message as only Thou can. And may You feed Thy sheep as it pleases You. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.